I love movies. I especially love the story writing aspect that goes into them. When we watch a movie or read a book, we're watching character development play out right before our eyes. Ultimately, regardless of what movie we're watching, what book you're reading, whatever you're doing, the story comes down to one theme. Who am I? I recently read an article that stated that there are three versions of yourself. The author asked the question, which one is the real you? And so that kind of lines up with the who am I theme. In today's episode, I'll break down the concept of the three versions of yourself and leave you asking yourself the questions, who am I? And more importantly, who do I want to be? We feel like it's up to us to hold the line as we light this spark with I absolutely love movies, you guys. I love them. All kinds of movies. I love the costuming, the set design, the makeup, the special effects. I love the whole process. I love all of it. But what I love most is a good story. And when you think about it, all of those other ancillary things are there to support that good story. That's why when a story has no substance, the movie flops. A perfect example of this is the most recent piece of Hollywood garbage to come out. Now, <laughs> I know this is my opinion, and uh, opinions are subjective, but just hear me out on this, okay? Black Adam was one of the worst movies I have ever seen. <laughs> now, I don't mind Dwayne Johnson movies, I don't. And I absolutely love a good comic book movie. In fact, the MCU is one of my favorite conglomerations of films that I have ever seen. The consistency, the writing, the effects, all of it come together to complement one amazing story arc. And I think it's absolutely incredible. And within that one main story arc, there's multiple smaller story arcs within those within that main story arc. It's just, it's an incredible piece of art. But anyway, I grew up reading comic books. So it's not that it's a comic book movie that turns me off. But I understand like I said, that, that my opinion is subjective. So I wanted to make sure that I speak in objective terms when I break this down. So let's talk some numbers, right? It took $600 million to produce, film, and market the movie Black Adam. $600 million. According to an article by Variety, Black Adam will have to make $400 million worldwide just to break even. And currently, it's at 391 million. So this is by definition a flop. There are a lot of reasons as to why this happened, but with the fact that statistically more tickets get sold to movies geared towards a younger audience due to the fact that a parent or guardian needs to attend with that kid that wants to go see it, I was really surprised that it didn't break even, at least. 
I firmly believe that it's because the story was terrible. The giant budget and the special effects were just, were not enough to save it from its terrible story. It's terrible writing. Now let me switch gears a bit and talk a little about a film called Dogville. I'm not sure if any of you out there have ever seen it, but I highly encourage you to watch it. It was put out in 2003, and it stars Nicole Kidman, along with some other big names like James Caan, Paul Bettany, Lauren Bacall, and Stellan Skarsgård. So here's the synopsis as found on the IMDb website. A woman on the run from the mob is reluctantly accepted to a small Colorado community in exchange for labor. But when a search visits the town, she finds out that their support has a price. This movie is a humble production. It's got simple costuming and even more simple set design. In fact, the production is played out on a stage and sometimes with the rooms outlined on the floor in white chalk. That's how basic the production is. There are there there really is no set. It's just elements added to a stage to create an environment. There's no walls. It's it's an amazing production. But anyway, I digress. Dogville is one of the greatest films I've ever seen. And Black Adam is quite honestly one of the worst. And the ratings on IMDb support my claim in that Dogville has an 8 out of 10. And Black Adam has a 6.4 out of 10. Now those are user ratings. And again, I know my opinion is subjective to my tastes and my preferences. But the numbers don't lie here. The millions of dollars poured into it, the ratings, the amount of people who actually went to see it. By definition of metrics used to measure something's quality, Black Adam was a bomb. Dogville took only $10 million to make. I say only, but it took only $10 million to make and made over $16.7 million worldwide for a profit of over $6 million. So it actually did better, respectively, uh, as far as profitability goes. But Anyway, I know you're like, Ryan, land the plane. Why are you talking about these movies? You know, um, I'm speaking about these discrepancies to drive the point home that stories answering the question, who am I, typically do better than those who are just, or, or those movies that are just popcorn movies, right? Quote, unquote. That just have a bunch of gore, sex, and explosions, right? And some of you out there might be like, oh, yeah, that's the only kind of movies I like, <laughs> which, whatever, that's fine. But we as humans are always seeking to answer that question, whether it's in regards to ourselves or someone else. One more quick example of this is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I'm going to go a little geek here on a, for a minute, but deal with it. Uh, these films, if you're watching them the correct way, and in that I mean the extended editions, set you up to ask yourself right off the bat, who is Frodo and why do I care? And even more importantly, who is Sam and why do I care? And if you know, you know, right? The audience will spend 11 hours and 22 minutes for one of the most emotionally satisfying answers to that question in cinematography or in cinematic history. Who am I? We as humans love this question so much that in fact our whole system of arts and entertainment is based on it we watch a trash tv show and judge the people on 
on the show making statements about what we would do in their situation. We go to art galleries and we look at paintings in order to identify how they make us feel. And by that measure, what kind of person we are, right? We read books to do the same thing. We read books to be taken on a journey. And during that journey, maybe find some answers to who we are and how we would respond in those situations. When we try to answer that question for ourselves, we might have some trouble landing on just one description. That's because there are multiple versions of ourselves. But which one is the real you? There's the one you think you are. And this is the version based on our past, based on the experiences that we've already had. Those experiences lead us to believe that we are a certain kind of way and therefore cannot change. But this simply isn't true. For example, we are not our careers because our careers end, right? And then what? And then who are we? This is one of the tragedies of people who cling to their identity at work. Once that's gone, then what? This version is the gathered elements of all the things coming together from your past life experience. It is an image and it's a facade. And then there's the one you want to be. This is the version of you that's based on your potential, the version you desire to be. When we set goals and make statements about the things we want to do or type of person we want to be, we're operating in this version of ourselves. We can often get stuck here, though, daydreaming. This is why it's so important to take action toward that person you want to be. This is one of the reasons why action is an ignited core value. Without action, we're stagnant. We do not grow. And sooner than later, we die. Physically, mentally, and spiritually. We have to be careful in this space because I've seen a lot of people get stuck in what I call mental masturbation mode. This is where we gather info over long periods of time. All we do is we gather info and we, we read books and we stack knowledge, but we don't put any of that knowledge to use. We don't take action based on the knowledge that we're gaining. And I've been guilty of this. You know, I, I've, I've been guilty of this in my life. And I think we all have. But the point is, we don't want to dwell there. It's good to gain that knowledge. It's good to map out an idea of who we want to be. But then we need to take steps toward that. And then there's the one that you are. This is the ultimate and honest version of yourself. This is like the secret you, right? This is the person, the person you are at the moment. Side note, I feel like this is why we like dogs so much. Dogs are always living in the moment, playing, sleeping, snuggling, pooping, whatever, right? <laughs> when we spend time with our dogs, we take their lead and we operate in the moment by taking them for a walk, throwing a ball for them to fetch, or simply just petting them. They force us to slow down and be in the moment and experience the most honest version of ourselves. This version is the secret you. It's like the secret self, like I said. This is who we are behind closed doors. This is who we are when nobody's looking. This ultimately is the version of yourself that only, if you're a God-fearing person, that only you and your Heavenly Father know about, right? That's it. And, and maybe like one or two other people on this planet truly know the, the real, real you, like the secret version of you. 
So it's interesting to think about these three different versions. The the one you think you are, the one the one you think people perceive you as, the one you want to be. This is based in progress, obviously, and then the one you are. This is like the pin in the map, right? We flow between these public, private, and secret versions of ourselves every day. So I want to challenge you to think about a set of circles, like a Venn diagram. Think about these three different versions of yourself and how they intersect, or if they intersect at all. How much does the private version show up in the public version of you? How much does the secret version of you show up anywhere else? Maybe take this challenge a step further and sit down and actually draw out one of these Venn diagrams and see with your own eyes where you think things are falling and how things are looking. So when you do a Venn diagram with these three circles, hopefully you'll wind up with a little space where all three of these things intersect. And where that space is or or, or that space is where integrity lies. Let me state that again. That little space where all three of these versions of yourself intersect is where integrity lies. This is where you are operating in integrity. You're being the person you're showing to the world rather than being someone else behind the curtain. If you're residing in that little space, and it doesn't matter how little it is, as long as it exists, that's the goal. Get some kind of alignment here, right? Get those versions of you crossing over, even if it's just a little bit. When you reside in that little space, you turn your frequency so that others who are operating with integrity can see you and feel you. This is one of the reasons why I feel when people who are operating outside of integrity, you have, you have two people, right? I, th- I guess maybe you have three people in this category. The, the people who have no idea that these versions of themselves exist, right? And they're just kind of bouncing off the walls like a pinball in a pinball machine. And then you have the other version who might know that they exist and they, they exploit those three versions of themselves to gain leverage, to gain power. And then you have people who are seeking to operate out of integrity. Now, when you're surrounded by people who are using these versions of themselves to gain power, to manipulate people, to use leverage to get what they want, those people are not comfortable around people who are operating in integrity. Those people who are fractured and whose different versions of themselves are not overlapping or aligning in any way do not feel comfortable around people whose versions of themselves have just even a little bit of integrity in there. They do not feel comfortable. So they will do whatever they can to discredit you, to mock you, to undermine you, to make you out to look like the bad guy. They will do whatever it takes. And all I have to say to that is how sad, how sad is that? I know we've all experienced that. Some of us are experiencing that in our workplaces right now. And what can we do? We operate in spite of that thing. Uh, because personally, for me, utilizing the, that, that idea of the, that Venn diagram of those three different versions of me and understanding that there's a little bit that overlaps and, and I have an alignment of sorts and I can choose to operate in that integrity, I can sleep at night. I feel great about the person I am and the person that I'm trying to be. And I know deep down those other people do not.
And, and honestly, it's reflected in their lives. Like their lives are falling apart. They're, they, they're not good fathers. They're not good husbands. They're not good spouses. They're, they're just not good people. And yet, incidentally, we just keep promoting them because they know how to use that leverage and exploit people and manipulate people. But anyway, if you're looking to bring these three versions of yourself closer together so that you can create that beautiful little spot of integrity to operate in, then I highly encourage you to join The Forge. Inside this exclusive group, we work on refining ourselves in the four fire flow path categories. Those categories are fitness, intellect, relationships, and energy. Through this framework, we will set goals and complete daily objectives that will help us reach our unique goals. The benefits of joining this group are you get a quarterly goal planning template that I've created based on the fire flow path so you can track your progress, right? What gets measured gets improved. You get a copy of the quarter's book selection for study and, and discussion within the group, and you get a 50-page workbook based on that quarter's reading selection that I've put together. You get access to the private Facebook group and all the events and resources within, and you get weekly accountability meetings with me and other Forge members. So join the ranks of others who are looking to become the hero of their own story. Excuse me, their own story. And as a result, the firefighter, the parent, the spouse, and the friend that they want to be. No one on this planet is coming to save you. So stop expecting them to. It's time to start making moves to save yourself. Click the link in the show notes or in my bio to fill out an application and schedule a one-on-one -on -one call with me to get you all set up. During this call, we'll review your application, we'll talk about how the forge is structured, and how to use those resources that are available to you. Uh, you'll gain access to the weekly Zoom meetings where we meet to discuss topics and progress for our goals. I look forward to working with you all inside the forge. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. Click the link for the or click the link in the show notes and be a part of the growing community by joining the Ignited Firefighter Facebook group. The Facebook group is free to join, and this is where we can all contribute and share stories of what new things we're learning, along with anything else you want to share or inquire about. So thanks again, and until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the hero of your own story. Be ignited.